Hi, this is Bruce Roberts, I'm Executive Vice President and CEO of the National Community Pharmacists Association, and you're listening to PTR Podcast. This is Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Technology Resource Podcast, PTR Podcast, and we have a special session today. We're going to be interviewing um, Bruce uh, Roberts, who is the president of NCPA, and there was recently an article that uh, came out that uh, Bruce authored, and the title was, Drug Prices Can't Depend on Who's Buying, and um, I found it extremely interesting, published in Drug Topics on November 3rd. Um, Good morning, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing fine, Todd. Thanks. Nice to be with you. Yes, um, I feel very honored to have you on the show, and uh, the PTR podcast has been uh, out for some time, only about six months now, and um, we we try to get a a couple topics that are off the subject of technology, but everything can can play back into the bigger circle, which is, of course, empowering the independent pharmacies. And your article was extremely intriguing and how um, there there could be – uh, seemingly unfair uh, buying and, and selling uh, practices in the world of, of independent pharmacy and how that affects them. And can you uh, give us a kind of an overview and in, in, in your opinion and, and what's happening in the market and and how this uh, can really affect our, our community pharmacies? Yeah, sure, sure, Todd. Um, it, it's uh, it's interesting. This this issue of discriminatory pricing is an issue that we have. Uh, has been on our radar, uh, on pharmacies' radar, and particularly independent community pharmacies' radar for, for a long time. Um, it was really born out of, uh, the, the, in the mid-60s, the, the pharmaceutical industry decided to give preferential pricing to the hospital sector, uh, the thinking being that you had, pharm- you had physicians prescribing uh, uh, drugs in the hospital setting that uh, could likely you know, that likely uh, the patient would continue to take once they got out of the out of the hospital, and so they gave the hospital preferential pricing that um, to incent them to use their their particular drugs. And it's been interesting how over time, over the last uh, you know, forty years now, how how that is how it's really changed. And you know, we had from in those days in the '60s, there were very few. Uh, large chains, if you will, um, and as the the chains, the aggregation of pharmacy continued in the 60s and 70s, uh, the larger chains got some of that preferential pricing as well, um, and that really caused uh, there to be some real angst, and especially in the independent community pharmacy setting, that we were being unfavorably, we were being disadvantaged uh, because of the pricing practices of the pharmaceutical industry and. There was uh, in the in the early 90s, uh, pharmacy said that you know they'd had enough and, and actually went to court with uh, with the, the manufacturers to try to end discriminatory pricing, um, and um, you know there were some settlements, but the, unfortunately the uh, um, some significant settlements uh, approaching a billion dollars in settlements with the pharmaceutical industry, Jeez. but the, unfortunately the practices didn't change. Um, Independents then came together and tried to uh, to find ways to uh, to have access to those same same discounts that were being afforded the large chains in the hospitals, um, and uh, unfortunately, very quickly those uh, you know even with the aggregation of the independence data, um, we they were not able to get that. And it's interesting what what happened after that. I think really does undermine 
you know, are where we find our healthcare system today is we began to uh, adjudicate claims with third parties, with insurance companies, and we had uh, these prescription benefit managers uh, as the middle that facilitated uh, that transaction and provided a very, very important uh, role in, in facilitating the adjudication of claims. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think what happened, they began to recognize you know, what was occurring in the hospital setting and it occurred to some extent in the large chain setting uh, where they were able to leverage uh, greater discounts from from rebates, kickbacks, whatever you want to call them, from the manufacturer. Um, they began to implement benefit plans where they could really leverage uh, their ability uh, to um, choose what drug would be dispensed um, and and offer significant discounts to themselves. And that, and that really brings us to the setting and where we have we find ourselves today, which is very troubling, um, because there's we have such a convoluted system whereby hospitals get one price, large chains get another price, uh, the prescription benefit managers like Medco Express Strips and CVS Caremark get another price. Then, then what we've had is we've gone to this situation where we have um, what, what I would call the, the mega channels. So you have the merger of CVS, the largest chain, with the largest uh, prescription benefit manager, uh, Caremark, to form CVS Caremark. And then all of a sudden you've got all sorts of, uh, of dynamics in play um, that are being facilitated by this, this discriminatory pricing. So it's, it really has created a dynamic that is extremely, extremely challenging. Uh, for for our industry, I think a disadvantage not only is a disadvantage uh, independent community pharmacy as you referenced in your opening remarks, but what what really is troubling is what it's done uh, to the undermining of the of the prescription benefit in, in our healthcare system. And you know, if you lie, I mean, I I just point to a few things that I find very very troubling, um, and that would be the commoditization of the prescription benefit. Um, you know, because there's no transparency, all these side deals, the, the kickbacks or the uh, rebates or whatever you want to call them, um, <clears throat> there's very little transparency in our, in our healthcare system related to the prescription benefit. Uh, and as a result, uh, we've just moved to this place where you know, it's just a commodity. And the pharmacist's role was just that of being the purveyor of a commodity. Um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting that uh, when I go into pharmacies, and I, I probably should say I am a community pharmacist, owned pharmacies for uh, almost 35 years, uh, and um, you know, so I've really seen this from a very personal standpoint. Um, you know, and I, when I go into pharmacies today, and I see what's happening, um, and pharmacists will point out to me, you know, stacks of prescriptions sitting on the counter, waiting for prior authorizations. And a prior authorization is uh, the PBM saying, we, we've got to, we'll give you authority to dispense a particular drug that's outside of what we want you to, spend, to dispense. And that's become more common, more, you know, the norm than, you know, than the exception, unfortunately. Um, and, and so the filling of a prescription has become very, very time-consuming and, and, and troubling for a pharmacist. And I, and I really now, if I look back, you know, 35 years ago when I started filling prescriptions and, 
and think about those times. I mean, how difficult is it to fill a prescription? It, you know, pharmacists can fill a prescription. Just the perfunctory part of filling the prescription, it doesn't take but a minute or so. It's just not terribly complicated. You know, and then what I was able to do as a young pharmacist all those years ago was be able to spend really quality time with my patients, making sure they understood the importance of the drug that they were about to take and the importance of taking it uh, as prescribed and giving them some insight as to, uh, you know, what the purpose of the prescription that they were taking. And unfortunately, our system has grown into a place where because of all these games that are played with regard to pricing, um, you know, that has now facilitated this these middlemen to make uh, the filling of prescription very, very cumbersome um, and, you know, really is undermining the pharmacist's ability to spend the time that it's needed to be spent to, to make sure the patient understands the, the, the appropriate use of their medicines. We're, we find ourselves in a place where, where you know, persistence compliance to prescription medicines is at an alarming uh, all-time low. Uh, you know, the, the numbers are something like you know, in, not after 90 days, and it's different for different types of drugs, but you know, there's studies that show for after 90 days on a prescription drug, uh, left, less than 50% uh, of the, the patients prescribed that drug are even taking it. They just stop taking it because it's become such a hassle to get the prescriptions prescriptions filled because of these games that are all being driven by discriminatory pricing. And, and the public the public just doesn't see that. They, they, it's happening behind the scenes and, and, it, and, it, and the community independent pharmacy is suffering, but no one else sees the, you know, the behind the scenes going, going ons of, of, of this all happening. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Um, the, the realities are, you know, folks say, you know, I don't get to talk to a pharmacist. I, it's, I come in to get my prescription filled and it takes three days, um, you know, or I come in to get a prescription, a chronic prescription filled and it takes three hours. And the realities are it's not that it's the filling of the prescriptions any more difficult than it was um, you know, 35 years ago. The problem is is that you know, these, these underlying issues of price are causing all sorts, all sorts of problems with those that are you know, purported to be the, the folks that are facilitating you know, the, uh, the adjudication of the, of the prescription drug claim. Um, and the net of all this is, is that, uh, that you know, now we have studies that say, you know, for every dollar spent on prescription drugs, there's a dollar's worth of problems from misuse or underuse or inappropriate use. Um, you know, that's a $290 billion a year problem. Nearly three times what we're considering spending on health care reform. And, uh, and, and it really, the underlying issue here uh, is uh, the this craziness in how prescription drugs are priced in America. I mean, it's interesting, Todd, that I, you know, and I talk to friends of mine that are not in this industry or don't understand this industry. I mean, to your point, that come in and see these problems when they get a prescription filled. And when I go through and talk to them about the craziness of how uh, the pricing of pharmaceuticals is in our healthcare system, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> they, 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 they said there's no way that couldn't be. It absolutely couldn't be. So, it's um, it, it really is uh, an issue that's born out of uh, 
probably good intentions years ago, uh, and our, our, our marketing opportunity by the pharmaceutical industry that is completely out of control, absolutely out of control right now. And this doesn't have to do with volume. This has to do with actual pricing of that particular drug, that particular NDC number. Is that correct? It is. I mean, the vast majority of it. And the pharmaceutical industry will say, you know, a lot of this is, based, you know, the pricing differentials are based on volume. But the, the reality, the significant dollars, the dollars that, you know, into the op-ed that I, I wrote, where, you know, they have these tremendous disparities uh, in price you know, where it could be, you know, $5 to a hospital and $100 to a community pharmacist is not, is not, is not born out of volume. It's born out of, uh, market share, rebates and kickbacks, uh, you know, that really is undermining the whole system. There is a point that the pharmacy benefit managers have, uh, further distorted the marketplace by demanding these huge kickbacks from drug makers to promote one drug over another. And that in, in fact, also distorts uh, health plan uh, sponsors, and also, of course, trickles down to the patient. Um, how how can this how can this be changed fundamentally? I think that really what what we are calling for, and and you know, we've we've tried uh, we we tried the, the lawsuit uh, um, approach uh, in the early '90s, and we have you know, one of those cases is just coming up in court here very shortly. Um, is you know, we tried the lawsuit route, didn't work. You know, the pharmaceutical company was very glad to to fork over, you know, I think, seven hundred over seven hundred million dollars in a settlement, but you know, was not willing to change its practices. Um, you know, what what we really need to recognize, what we need the pharmaceutical companies to recognize, in partnership with our healthcare system, with the American public, and with pharmacy, that we have a system that is really broke it is real it's broke it's been and if there's not something to highlight how broke it is when we have studies that say for every dollar spent on pharmaceuticals there's a dollar worth of problems we have a significant problem and so what we need the pharmaceutical industry to recognize that we have to change the system we've got to we've got to look at things in a very different way than we have in the past we need to make sure that we need to put an end to discriminatory pricing and focus on making sure that the best price is available for for all those. And let's get on with focusing on how do we make sure that medicines are used correctly um, and that we have that patients have uh, access to those medicines whenever they um, whenever they uh, when they when they need them. We need to move to a place where we have absolute transparency, um, and which has been really a centerpiece of healthcare reform and a lot of discussion in Washington. But one of the challenges that we have is with the, the PBM industry is a lack of transparency, you know, that hides all these games, you know, especially hides them to the American public. To your point, and we need to end that so that uh, the, so that we shine a light on this and bring an end to uh, end to these games and really get focused on making sure that we get true value of the of, uh, uh, the pharmaceuticals that can save enormous healthcare cost if used appropriately. My grandmother made a comment. Um, she's 82 years old. She's on um, about eight different medications. She made a comment about two weeks ago that. Why, why are the pharmacies, uh, you know, she used the word raking me over the coals, and I said, 
Grandma, that isn't your local pharmacy that's doing that. It's it's everything that's happening in the industry behind the scenes that that it it appears that it might be the pharmacist to you, but it's it's the industry as a whole. And she asked me to fix it for her, by the way. Oh well, they, they, well, I appreciate you shining a light on this because it really, to your grandmother's uh, point, I mean, it does seem that it's the pharmacy that's raking her over the coals. The reality is. The, all, all the problems that your grandmother and, and lots of other Americans have as they go in to get their prescriptions filled is rooted in this issue of these pricing uh, disparities. And, um, you know, again, the, the, the American public just, is, just can't appreciate how messed up this system is. And uh, they see it each and every day when they go into a pharmacy. But, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry would recognize that they do develop and produce and market life-saving medicines. The realities are we have enormous evidence of the tremendous amount of good that um, the, the tremendous amount of good that um, pharmaceuticals can provide our healthcare system and the American public. Uh, but we've got to what we've, what we've got to do is to make sure that uh, you know, we have a system that embraces that so that we can have the full recognition of uh, the value of those drugs uh, to the American public. So the Robinson-Patman Act of 1936, uh, which has been around for quite some time, uh, just is, is being subsided or, or ignored uh, throughout the industry, and it really needs to just be completely um, uh, redone from the ground up as, as a system uh, that plugs into the rest of our health care uh, system in this country. Is that is that what you're saying? That's correct. Uh, we're saying that this this is com- it's, it's it really is completely out of control right now. Um, you know, we've got this we've got this system that is uh, you know that is embraces these discriminatory prices to you know different elements of the uh, of, uh, of 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 the continuum of of, uh, of health care. Um, that is, it creates a perverse incentive, which is really interesting, in that you know, pharmacies have very low margins uh, compared to you know, many aspects, many parts of healthcare, where, where the folks that you know, are supposed to just be facilitating the, uh, the, um, the prescription drug benefit from a payment standpoint, uh, the PBMs have enormous profits. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, the PBM industry is... Their profits in the last four years have increased from 900 to $1 million dollars a year to three billion dollars a year, um, and you know CEO salaries in, the, in that industry is, have just gone through the roof. So it's you know, and that's all being fueled by those discriminatory prices. So I think in the end, if we can get uh, you know, you know, the pharmaceutical industry to recognize the absolute importance of making sure that we have. Uh, a benefit that is really assuring the appropriate use of their medicines, um, we can have that recognition for the value we bring to healthcare. What is in in this line of 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 thinking and the subject that we're on? Uh, what does it mean when we talk about predatory pricing? You know, for example, in 1937, Colorado law prohibits the re, re uh, tellers from selling below cost, and as a result, several national programs had been executed uh, for a number of drugs from the sale of those programs operating in those specific states, but 
it it's over the entire uh you know entire country that that predatory pricing is is seems like it's still taking place yeah it really is i mean and probably the 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 shining example of that and the and the uh, the, the pharmacy benefit continuum is is mail order um, what's happened is that uh, these PBMs uh, learned uh, uh, years ago, as, as I said, they started out as just, you know, the, the adjudicator of the claim um, played a very, very valuable, valuable role um, in, uh, in, in facilitating the payment for, for the prescription uh, drugs. And what they learned as they began to go down this, this road of, trying to find a, a, a way to better leverage themselves and to take advantage of this long history of uh, preferential pricing uh, that the hospitals were afforded by the pharmaceutical industry. What they decided is that not only would they be the adjudicator, they would be the, the, the benefit design, if you will, uh, facilitate the benefit design of the prescription benefit, so act as the middleman. Um, and, but, but then they also started their own pharmacies, to compete with uh, with to compete compete with the community pharmacies, and so now what they've done is they've been very smart about the way they've approached it. They they have now leveraged these uh, this discriminatory pricing and rebates and kickbacks into their mail order facilities. So what they can do is then they can demonstrate much lower. Uh, they can offer much lower reimbursement. Um, or cost to the to the payer on the mail order side, and what they're doing is they're just shifting those rebates that should be spread across the entire continuum. Um, I'm not suggesting for a second that there isn't an appropriate role for mail order for those that want it, but what's happening is that they're they're shifting these rebates and kickbacks to the mail order side, and as a result, they're able to sell their uh, mail order benefit as a, as a significant savings. Um, and that's all rooted in that discriminatory pricing as well. So to the extent that, you know, that, that is, you know, an area where it's really beginning to play out very, very negatively in the retail community because, uh, you know, these mail order facilities, because of this discriminatory pricing, are able to offer, um, you know, uh, reduced costs. And I think, the, 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 you know, the shining example of that is this, is this uh, vertical integration, if you will, the mega channels of the CVS Caremark. So now you have the largest chain in the world coming together with the largest uh, pharmacy benefit manager, um, and we're, we're seeing that uh, in an alarming way whereby um, pharmacies are uh, reporting uh, where patients come into one to an independent more often than not, and they were getting a call from CVS saying you should have got that prescription filled at our store, not at, at the pharmacies. Um, and you know, again, that's that's another real, real challenging uh, aspect of uh, you know that is all rooted in this pricing issue. As our listeners are, are listening to this episode, and and many of them are um, the majority of them are independent community uh, business owners, pharmacy owners. What can you uh, kind of um, Give them advice in in doing with regards to kind of uh, helping out with this entire um, issue. Uh, do they reach out to their local state representative? Do they write a letter to uh, their their congressman or congresswoman? Uh, what do you what do you tell our our uh, audience today? 
I think that there's uh, that's a, a great question, and I think the, the key is is they have to get engaged. I mean, we can't just sit around and complain about this and expect uh, you know a different outcome uh, over over the course of time. The reality is we've got to be engaged. I, the first thing I would say is that uh, you know beyond being engaged, that they need to be engaged with NCPA. I mean, this is an issue that we are fighting, uh, committed to fighting. Um, and it's it's important that we uh, we get the message out. This afternoon, for instance, I'm meeting with the chairman of the FTC, Mr. Leibowitz, to uh, talk about these very issues. Um, we need to make sure that uh, and that the at the center of government and Congress and at the White House that these issues are understood and, and recognized, so that we can bring about the meaningful change that is very desperately needed. Um, the point of my opt-ed and uh, drug topics was really to say to the pharmaceutical industry, listen, enough is enough. We need to move to a different place. We need to find a way to, to, to make sure that, uh, you know, that we are um, uh, moving together in, in a way that we're having appropriate use of medicines. So I think it's, it's really important for, for pharmacies to understand the absolute necessity to get to be engaged. Um, you know, now with 50% of our reimbursement coming from the federal government, you know, to make sure that we have a strong political voice um, is important. And the, writing those letters to members of Congress, making those phone calls are important. But it's important that we do it under a central umbrella so that we have a focused effort um, and we make sure that uh, we are having um, our voice heard. And, and, and my pitch to uh, my fellow uh, community pharmacists around the country is that we do that under the NCPA umbrella because that will give us the highest likelihood of success. I'll tell you um, where I found for my personal information about many subjects and, and somewhere where I receive video content and very specific issues and understanding and keeping up with what's happening in community pharmacy is fightforrx.org. And um, that, of course, being tied back to NCPA, but fightforrx.org really gives the highlights and gives the um, specific issues being um, being focused on. And that's, a, I think, a much easier way to, in fact, glean what's happening and then get involved with a specific issue. Yes, I think Fight for X is a, is, a, is a great opportunity to not only engage pharmacists but also to engage our consumers in, in this battle. Uh, the reality is what we've done over the course of the last uh, several years is to really put together um, a really a focused effort to make sure uh, with the overarching focus being that we have a pharmacy majority in Congress, a majority of members of Congress that recognize and understand pharmacies' issues and will support our issues when we, when we, uh, when we bring them before them. Um, and, you know, it's really important not only to have uh, the pharmacist engage, but but, but also to have uh, our patients and our consumers engaged in, in this battle so that we have as broad and strong a voice as we possibly can. Bruce, I'm wondering about, uh, with regards to mail order, there are many people, including, once again, my grandmother, who's made comment about this, maybe I should just go to a mail order, and I'm like, 
Grandma, you're, you're, you're not in a position to do that. You need to be able to talk with your community pharmacy about your medications and how they affect your, your diet and any, any weight fluctuations. And so everybody's like, well, mail order's less expensive. What, what can you give more information on, um, with regards to that kind of comment or that way of thinking? I think it's a good question. Um, it, it, and I shouldn't be, uh, a little bit more clear on this than that, that, uh, it, Mail order pharmacy bills themselves as being as being much less expensive than than the community pharmacy. The, the realities are um, uh, the mail order facilities uh, de- typically uh, have a much higher use of brand name drugs, and that's that's obvious when you think about this issue. And that you know there are the, the discriminatory pricing, uh, the kickbacks, and the rebates on on the brand name drugs are where where the the big dollars are for them. So they're going to push more. Of the branded product, um, and and so what we you know, they build themselves as being cheaper, uh, but uh, the the reality, the games that are played on the pricing, um, they they really aren't. There is no studies that definitively say that that mail order pharmacy is cheaper. And if you think about it, they have to mail the product to, as well as fill the product. So um, you know, the only way that that they could be, how could they be more uh, more cost effective? Um, but you know what is interesting is that the vast majority of the profits uh, in the PBMs uh, for the PBMs comes out of the, their mail order pharmacies, their own proprietary mail uh, systems that they use for the plans they administer. Um, and so uh, it is. It's really important that um, you know, although uh, you know they report to be you know, much less expensive, uh, the realities are. Uh, there's nothing that uh, has demonstrated that to be the case. I um I just I think it's it's fascinating to hear from community pharmacies, my own community pharmacies down in Evan City, Pennsylvania, Evan City Pharmacy. Uh, Jeffrey's been the owner there for now 23 years. He constantly tells me about how things are are now becoming more and more challenging, and this is an an aspect of of business of privately owned. Uh, entrepreneurship business that just shouldn't be in place holding a pharmacist back from uh, providing uh, that very specific care that um, that's so necessary in just overall health care. Um, I appreciate what NCPA is doing um, for uh, community pharmacy, and I understand now why um, why it's so important to keep up to date with some of the things that are that are that are going on. Um, where is the next, or what is the next um, uh, information forum, or 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 the or the next um, um, report that that may be coming out from the NCPA that that uh, that community pharmacists need to know that that's coming up, or how they can get involved? Well, I think one of the things I mean certainly it, it, that it's very important that uh, you know pharmacists are involved and engaged and. The political process, because that's one of the real uh, the places where you know uh, much of our future is going to be defined, especially as we we contemplate healthcare reform. Um, and the other is is the, the importance of having pharmacists engaged in making sure prescription drugs are used correctly. I, let me just share a, a story that was shared with me uh, just just a few months ago. There's a company called Smith's Rug uh, down in Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina. They they have uh, they're a small regional wholesaler. They have about 1,100 employees, 
Um, they uh, they service pharmacies. They sell prescription drugs to pharmacies, and they had 87 diabetics of their 1,100 uh, their 1,100 employees, and and those 87 diabetics were costing them an enormous amount uh, in healthcare spend. Um, diabetes being one of the more costly diseases to manage, and so what they said that they wanted to do is to get engaged and have. Um, uh, so a pharmacist-centric solution for those 87 diabetics. And, and if patients would opt in, if their employees would opt into this program, they would waive their co-pays for prescription drugs and also for their physician visits. And it was a voluntary program, and about half, actually 43 of the 87 employees opted into this program. And so what they saw, uh, and this is, I was down there and they were sharing this story with me, which I think really speaks to where the future of this uh, industry and the importance of the pharmaceutical industry to recognize that they need to end these types of behavior and let's get focused on making sure drugs are used correctly. The results of that program, of having patients that opted into this program, working with their physicians and making sure their physicians and their pharmacists to understand the importance of the disease and the importance of the drugs that they're taking. Um, and the patients uh, met with the pharmacist. They were required to be with the pharmacist on a monthly basis. Um, in one year, uh, the cost of an average cost of a diabetic, which had been $11,200 a year at the start of this program, dropped to $5,300 because they now we're focused on these patients were taking their medications correctly. The, the patients, those patients or employees that didn't opt into the program, those 44 that didn't, their average cost uh, went from $11,200 a year to $13,000 a year in one year. So, so you had this disparity between $13,000 to $5,300. And, and I think that really speaks to the, to the issue. It really speaks to the importance of uh, the pharmaceutical industry and pharmacy uh, having a situation that embraces the important role that the pharmacist plays in making sure drugs are used correctly and to begin to get after this $290 billion pro- program um, you know, that really is demonstrated very clearly by the situation at Smith Drug. So, you know, that's where we need to go. We need to have pharmacists engaged in the process. They need to be engaged in the political process. And then once we get this this nuisance that's uh, occurring in our lives each and every day, if you are a pharmacist trying to get through all the red tape and the challenges that are all meant to facilitate this kickback and uh, you know, kickbacks to the, the, the pharmacy benefit management uh uh, industry um, and get focused on making sure that patients are taking their medicines correctly, and ultimately we can make a real difference uh, for healthcare in this country. Bruce, thank, thank you so much. This has been very enlightening for me. I'm sure it has for our listeners. I'll be publishing this on uh, on several mediums just to help get uh, this message out to a, to additional uh, independent uh, community pharmacists. Um, I'd love to have you back on the uh, on the show with uh, any other issues that we can help to drive uh, to our listeners and, and to the community. I um, just wanted to, to thank you for being on the PTR podcast today, and um, if you have anything else you'd like to end with, uh, that would be great. Well, I thank you. I thank you, Todd, for the opportunity to be with you. This is a, a really important issue, 
not only for community pharmacy, but for the American public and the opportunity to shine a light on this problem and hopefully uh, begin the process of going down a, a different road that better serves uh, the American public and our healthcare system um, is very much appreciated. Thank you. This has been the PTR Podcast, uh, episode 11. Uh, we're very excited to have had Bruce Roberts on the on the show, CEO, President of NCPA. Um, and we uh, look forward to engaging you again. Thank you. Thank you.